sweep the leg. You have a problem with that? I'm your boyfriend now. Get him a body bag, Johnny! Kill you slow! Welcome to Sweep the Lake Podcast. I'm your host with the most, Mike McMasunas. How's everybody doing today? Welcome to the special episode, Nightmare on Elm Street. I know this isn't uh, the movie that I had planned on getting you guys, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, or my science project. But I'll tell you, after the day I had today, I had to do some Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, it's been a long day. Had to put a lot of hours into work and uh, felt like watching some uh, Nightmare on Elm Street since it's Friday. I'm real tired and sleepy and uh, it gives some uh, good memories of uh, of uh, definitely a movie that I think out of all the movies that I've done, I'm pretty sure that almost everybody that is listening to this podcast today has seen this movie. And if they haven't seen the original, they've at least seen one of them. And worst case scenario, if they haven't even seen the first one or any of the other ones, they at least know who Freddy Krueger is. So I thought it would be a good idea to review this movie and, uh, you know, I'll get to the other planned movies, uh, you know, get to those next week. But uh, I thought it would be really good to do this film because um, I'm not really going to talk about the movie per se as I normally do, you know, where I uh, just kind of give... Uh, high level of the film, you know, review what I like, what I didn't like. Uh, I kind of want to do things a little different on this episode. Uh, you know, I'm definitely going to talk about the movie in regards to, you know, the overall story and, um, you know, the good stuff, the bad stuff, but just the the phenomenon that this movie has been, uh, it's definitely probably the most culture impact film that I've talked about on this podcast so far, and I definitely wanted to go into that a little bit, but... Before I go ahead and get into Nightmare on Elm Street, let's go ahead and get into some movie and music news. Throw up your rock fist if you're feeling it when I drop this. Show them how we blow the spot. Let's make it hot. The shot go with the body rock. So the party stops. It's time to take it up a notch and keep it locked for all the headbangers in the parking lot. Here we come. If you're ready or not, no time to talk because we're on the clock. Bring it up to your block. Let me show you where we Alright, so this week in movie and music news, uh, today I recently saw some basically preview images of Total Recall and Underworld. Now, Total Recall, basically, as you know, is the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie back in the 80s. It's currently being remade and Colin Farrell is taking the place of Douglas Quaid, a.k.a. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now, you know, I'm not a huge Colin Farrell fan. Um, the photo I saw, it doesn't really say too much of the film. Uh, I'm going to wait till I see a trailer. You know, uh, the only thing I'm kind of mad about is the fact of Kate Beckinsale. Uh, you know, she's not playing uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's woman. She's playing basically uh, Sharon Stone's role. So that kind of sucks. I think Jessica Bill is actually playing Arnold Schwarzenegger's girlfriend's role. So whatever to that. But the picture 
not as cool as uh, you know the Underworld one. The Underworld, uh, as I was saying on Facebook, that the official title of the new Underworld is called Underworld Awakening. And uh, the image is pretty cool. It's got Kate Beckinsale with her, you know, regular blue eyes and her gun. She looks the same as always, but it's still cool to see her back. Good times. Um, also, some images of Spider-Man have showed up today. Uh, you know, the movie is going to be called Amazing Spider-Man, and it's on Entertainment Weekly, basically. It's just kind of, uh, you know, inside scoop, and uh, the pictures seem pretty cool. Um What's cool is Dennis Leary is actually in the film, and uh, you know from what I've seen of uh, of the pictures, I guess we'll see how the movie is. You know, I'm not I'm not too big of a fan of the new suits uh, personally. I really enjoy the Tobey Maguire suit. Uh, I think it uh, I think it looked great. Um, you know, not really growing up on Spider-Man, I didn't know that Spider-Man had. Uh, I always thought he had unlimited webs, but I guess that was changed for the movie uh, in regards to, you know, um, Tobey Maguire's role. But I guess in this film, he's actually going to have the, you know, I guess the fake webs or, you know, the webs that basically can run out. So I guess they're trying to make it more like the comics. So not going to be too judgmental of the film. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and give it a shot uh, when it comes out. So... But overall, from what I've seen, uh, you know, it's looking better and better. So I'm not going to be hating on the suit too much. Uh, I kind of need to see it in a trailer, really, to see how it moves and flows with the light and stuff to give a full, you know, opinion on it. But so far, what I've seen, eh, not too bad. You know, it's it's above average. You know, it's got some cool things in it, but other parts I'm just not, eh, I don't really dig it too much. So, um... Another interesting thing in movie news is if you are a fan of Dave McGuire, who is the writer of Blade and the Batman films, he's actually going to be uh, doing the new Godzilla reboot. So that should be interesting to see how that, that see how that goes. So I am interested on information on that, but that's what I read today. So sounds pretty interesting. I think if uh, you know David Goyer, he's he's been doing good. So I really like David Goyer. I think uh, I think he's really uh, I think he's really talented. So be interested to see what he does with Godzilla. A lot of people hate that movie, but man, I really have a good time with that film. But maybe that's just me. Um, outside of uh, outside of movie news, that's pretty much it that I found this week. Uh, in regards to um, music news, 311. Um, actually, one of my uh, they were one of my favorite bands back in the day. Really enjoyed their music. They had kind of some reggae flavor in regards to like their rap rock style. It was pretty cool. Anyways, um, they have, uh, they're going to be kind of uh, stepping out and they've created their own record label, 311 Records. Um, they realized that they didn't need a major record label basically. I guess they want to try a few new things. Um, so basically, they were with the uh, major record label for about two decades. And just decided that they wanted to do something new. So I thought that was uh, thought that was pretty cool news. Uh, that you know you want to take a risk. Hopefully it pays off for them. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I used to really dig those guys. I thought they were pretty cool. Other interesting news: if you're a fan of Michelle Branch, um, you know she was pretty big uh, in the, the early 2000s. She had a couple of really good hits like uh, you know Everywhere. Um, it's that's pretty much her big song that everybody knows her for um she then went to um country 
she had like a little country band um, it, it was pretty good pretty good stuff she tried to keep some little pop within the country but overall she did pretty good anyway she is returning back to the pop rock world name of her album is going to be called Away From My Comfort Zone so check that out when that comes if you're a fan of Michelle Branch she's pretty cool uh, you know um, I, I jammed to her stuff back in the day I thought it I thought she was pretty decent. So, other than that, in uh, regards to uh, top 50, well, I guess the best selling song so far of 2011 is Adele's 21. Uh, if you, you know, if you dig that song, I just wanted to give you guys a heads up that that is currently the number one best selling song of 2011. So, pretty cool. Um, also, on iTunes, uh, my boy Skillet on the top, uh, boy, top 100 uh, rock charts. All three of their singles are above 80. I believe Awaken Alive from the Transformers soundtrack is currently number 13, followed by Monster and Hero, which all of those have been played on this show. So that is excellent. Glad to see that uh, my boys are kicking some butt on the iTunes Rock channel. So that's pretty much it for movie and music news this week. Let's go ahead and get into some Nightmare on Elm Street. The kids of Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? <laughs> just see cuts happen. What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know. There's a coroner got to say. He's in the jaw and puking since he saw it. They're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? There was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy? There's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> Do you believe in the boogeyman? No. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. No! She's the only one who can stop it. If she fails... I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. No one will survive. Craven, director of The Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left, a new masterpiece in fantasy terror, Nightmare on Elm Street. All right, so let's talk some Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, let me, obviously, you guys know that I've said on the show before that uh, Halloween is my all-time favorite horror movie. And Freddy Krueger... He is basically number two. I mean, Michael Myers is, you know, my my favorite slasher, boogeyman, whatever you want to call it. But Freddy Krueger, he'd be number two. And I'll tell you, he, I think he gave every kid in, in America or across the world nightmares. You know, if you had a boogeyman you were thinking of in your sleep and you saw this movie, this was the guy that you thought of. It's real interesting how how this movie is and how the sequels took it later. Number one... There's no Freddy Krueger in this movie. There's only Fred Krueger. So it's kind of like it's a different total character that was made up after this one. I mean, Robert Englund obviously 
it's like he was born to play Freddy Krueger. Um, you know, in regards to the remake, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later. But a couple of things I want to make clear. Um, you know, the music is very, very good in this film, just like Halloween. I mean, without without the music in Halloween, the movie wouldn't be scary. And the music definitely helps in this film to make it scary. Wes Craven did a very good job uh, with the image part of the film to get you scared, even if you didn't have the music. The music just kind of is uh, icing on the cake, so to speak. Um, one thing I always found really weird with this movie is how popular Freddy Krueger got, especially with me. I mean, when I saw this movie, I mean, this movie came out back in 19... Uh, what was the year? This movie came out in 1984. And I was born in 79. So do the math. I saw the, saw the movie a couple years later. So, you know, maybe seven, eight years old is probably the first time I saw it. Now keep in mind, first time I ever saw this film was on TV. I never, I didn't get to see R-rated movies, so I saw the TV version of this film. Man, it scared the living crap out of me. And years later, when I actually saw the real version, the R-rated film, I was just amazed. Number one, uh, you know, in the beginning of the film when they introduced the kids and um, they kind of have that joke going on, uh, I didn't when Rod shows up and he starts telling like this big sex joke and they in the on TV they would always mute that and the guys would talk their their mouth would move and I was like what are they saying and then finally I saw it I was like oh okay they're actually talking but of course I didn't get the jokes or anything at that at that time uh when Tina gets sliced open you know when Freddie just slices open her chest you know, of course, the TV version, you see that she gets cut and all of a sudden she's up in the air. They don't actually show her shirt being ripped open, then the slice going all the way down her chest. And you can see a little bit of her boobs, and then she goes up in the air, and it's real violent. Uh, you know, that was cut out. And then the, the infamous Johnny Depp scene where, uh, you know, he goes under the bed and the blood goes out everywhere. Of course, they only show like maybe, I don't know, three or four seconds of that scene, and then they cut to the mom. But in the real film, you I mean, that's actually the scene that I believe actually got them an X rating. And they had to really tone that down. But the movie, one thing that amazes me is this is back in the 80s. Uh, Fred Krueger is a child murderer. And really, you kind of get the feeling he's also a child molester. And from the documentary that I watched, which was probably one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Um, it's like a three-hour documentary on the whole entire series. It's a no-holds-barred thing on Nightmare on Elm Street. And they go through movie by movie and just, you know, especially part two, they rip on it. But, you know, Wes Craven kind of talks about how back in the 80s, you couldn't really talk about child molesters kind of thing. So child murder is kind of what they got away with. But, uh, you know, and they really go into playing that later on in the sequels. And, of course, in the remake, the full-out blown tell you that. But uh, it was kind of an always interesting um, you know, gray area. But one thing is, is why did kids love a child murderer? You know, a child molester is like, why did everybody love this guy so much? And I'm guilty of it. I bought the knives. I had the posters. I just thought he was cool. I don't know why, but for some weird reason, I had this obsession with Freddy. Like, oh, I got to get the comic book. I got to get the cards. I got to get the fake glove. You know, I got to get the Halloween mask and the hat. I got to get that really cool, freaky poster, you know, of a guy who scares me to death, but yet I think he's so cool at the same time. I mean, that's kind of how Freddy got, I don't, I don't know if 
dried up, so to speak. I mean, that's kind of how he became a goof. I mean, really, it, to me, Nightmare on Elm Street, no doubt about it, is is 100% classic. But for me personally, Part 3 is my all-time favorite Nightmare on Elm Street film. I really thoroughly enjoy that. And if, if I'm going to review any other Nightmare on Elm Street movie, it would be Number 3 and New Nightmare. I mean, in all reality, you could make that the perfect trilogy. You could take Nightmare on Elm Street 1, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, New Nightmare... Call it a day. I mean, number one, Heather Lane Cap, which is Nancy, is in all three of them. Um, and number one kind of, you know, sets everything up, obviously, because it's the first one. Number three, just like, man, it just totally just makes it this big, epic, you know, second half. And then New Nightmare closes out the chapter. You know, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, that's, that's one way I've always found to enjoy these films. Because number two absolutely sucks. I mean, that was just... I don't know what the hell they were thinking when they made number two. Uh, and it, I, I can't even get into how stupid and ridiculous that movie is. But number three just totally made up for it. It's like it should just go one, three. And then number four was actually good. I, I had a good time. Now, that's directed by Ronnie Harlan, who, you know, did uh, Die Hard 2. And he's kind of like, and he was an MTV movie, uh, movie uh, MTV music director. So him making Nightmare on Elm Street 4 was kind of like this big mu- MTV music video. You know, that's kind of the, the vibe that I got from that film. So uh, it was a really, really good time. Number 5 goes down, uh, goes down the drain from there. That's kind of where things start to get ridiculous. So you get Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5, The Dream Child, which was completely dumb. You get uh, Freddy's Dead. And finally you get some redemption with New Nightmare. So those are my three favorite Nightmare on Elm Street films. Um, But let's talk about the original real quick. Um, One thing that's really cool is the movie was made for $1.8 million, which obviously was not a lot of... which was a lot of money back then, but obviously in today's standards is very, very low. But Wes Craven had a really hard time making this film. Um, To get into the details of that, I highly recommend you check out the documentary Elm... uh, Never Sleep Again, The Elm Street Legacy. It's really in-depth, three-hour, movie-by-movie... just uh, what happened, how they made it. Wes Craven really talks about his struggles trying to get the film made. Uh, excellent documentary. And, uh, you know, the person that I really enjoy in this film is Heather Langenkamp, which I knew her from the TV show Just the Ten of Us. So it's kind of one of the reasons why I watched it. It's like, oh, yeah, she's in it. I'm like, oh, it's a kind of a scary movie? Okay. You know, and then I saw the trailer. I was like, oh, my gosh, it looks so scary. And then... Finally, we get to the movie, and man, it was, it was some good times. Now, obviously, there's there's some problems with the film. Um, with it being such a short budget, obviously, you know, when we get uh, when we're at the end of the film and the whole booby trap scene where Nancy takes Freddy out of uh, of the dream world into reality, and you know, he gets hit with the big sledgehammer, he falls off the stairs. You can actually see him fall on a mattress going down the stairs, but you know it. I think the first time you watch it, you would miss it. But obviously going forward, you can totally notice it a lot. Uh, one thing I always had a problem with was the booby trap time frame, where Nancy supposedly has 20 minutes to set up the booby traps. Because, you know, after Johnny Johnny Depp dies, she tells her dad to come to the house, give me about 20 minutes, and basically... Next time she looks at her watch after she set up all these booby traps, looks looks like it took her a couple hours. I mean, all the stuff that they were showing her doing, no way she could have got that done in 10 minutes. Uh, but uh, according to her watch, it took her 10 minutes to set up all the booby traps. I mean, 
Again, if first time watching it, you're probably not going to notice or care, but repeated viewings, you start to notice that stuff. I mean, is it minor? Of course it's minor. Uh, is it something that they probably intended on doing? No, no big deal. I mean, like I said, the movie, the movie is a classic. And for those of you who probably, if you've never seen this film, um, I don't know, number one, why, but... The overall story is in the beginning where Tina, um, she has a dream and she's getting stalked in a in a big dark boiler room, which is how we first come in contact with Freddy. You know, you get the cool, creepy music, and that's when you uh, you hear all the the famous uh, the famous sound of Freddy going up against metal with his knives. And uh, Tina's so freaked out when she wakes up because Freddy kind of gets her cuts open her uh, her pajamas and we get introduced to the star of the film Nancy Tom Thompson and then we get uh, Glenn her boyfriend which is Johnny Depp's first role and uh, he's really good times and basically those two um, are supposed to hang out with Tina because she's just having she can't handle the nightmares and you slowly get the story how each one of them are having nightmares but they don't really put it together until Nancy until Tina brings up who she dreamt about. And Nancy's like, that's crazy. That's the same person I dreamt about. And then we get the introduction of Rod Lane, which is Tina's boyfriend. You know, he's he's really good times. And you make a long story short, basically, we get the introduction of Freddy when Tina falls asleep and he kills her, which is where you get the famous scene where you see Tina go up, get cut up, and go in the air. Now, one thing Wes Craven talked about in a documentary is how they had a spinning room, which is how they were able to pull this off, where basically... Uh, Tina would be turned upside down and the whole room would spin, which is the same way that they did Johnny Depp's blood scene. And I guess people uh, during the blood scene were having major problems with that. And uh, I think a couple people passed out, if I remember right, just from either the heat or just being spinned around and being dizzy. A real, real... I like the effects in the film because it's not CGI. It's you know real effects people, and uh, it looks excellent when Tina's all you know. I mean, everybody's seen the scene where she's up in the air and uh, on the ceiling being rolled around in blood. And uh, the bottom line is is that uh, we go through the story, and Nancy slowly finds out who Freddy Krueger is, which his name is Fred Krueger, not Freddy Krueger. And Robert England, you know. I think this is one of his first movie roles. He plays Fred excellent in the film. Um, they definitely have him like the Michael Myers type where you don't really get to see Freddy till the end. You get the the shots are excellent of uh, just showing either his eyes or a little bit of his head. Some They'll show like his arms. It's real dark. Um, the principal photography is excellent in this film. And you get the big reveal of Fred towards the end of the film. But Tina basically finds out that the parents killed Fred because, you know, he was a child murderer and they killed him. Now he's back in people's dreams. And he goes after the teenagers of the parents that killed him. That's his revenge, is to kill all, is the people that killed him, he's going to kill their kids. Uh, that's basically the premise of the film. And you, you learn all this through slow building up events. The big time story here. Not a lot of scares. When there are scares, they're really, really good. We all know the infamous scene of the bathtub, Freddy's glove coming out, which the remake used. Um, now, Robert England's voice is very different in this film. 
I'm going to assume it's his voice. Although, when you really listen to it, it's just it's so much darker, and I don't I don't want to say more evil, but it just doesn't sound like him. But I guess when you're so used to the other films, uh, it doesn't sound like him. But you know, first time seeing it, you know, I I know it's him, but it's just it's I really really enjoy his voice in this film. He doesn't say a whole lot, but when he does say something, it's not the cheese factor Fred Fred Krueger that we all know. It's the lines like "I'm gonna split you in two and I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy." Real good fun times. Uh, Robert England really does an excellent job as Freddy. Um, Charles Fletcher's Charles Fletcher is in the film. He plays like a dream doctor. He's really good times in the film. I really enjoy his performance. Not in too much, but um, it, it's kind of given like a real perspective on dreams. I mean, the real story of this film is uh, Wes Craven read in an article how uh, this guy was just having these horrible dreams and kept drinking coffee and would do anything to stay awake and uh i guess he had i guess he stayed awake for like i don't know i want to say like seven days seven or eight days and finally um he was downstairs uh he fell asleep and uh his parents carefully took him upstairs Uh, a couple minutes later they heard this loud scream and he fell over and he died and uh, and Wes just had this crazy idea, like, what if something could get in your dreams and kill you? That's how he got this crazy dream. And that's when Fred Krueger was born. And Fred Krueger is named after a guy that used to pick on him. So I guess it kind of it kind of makes sense. But let's talk about how Fred Krueger turned into Freddy Krueger. Fred Krueger, very scary guy. Everybody pretty much says Nightmare on Elm Street by far is the best of the series. Super scary, which I agree. Even though I love Part Three, Number One is super scary. Um, number two comes around total crap I don't know what the hell they were making with that film not even to go into it it's just I, I don't enjoy it I thought it was just ridiculous um, and especially the documentary it really talks about how stupid the movie was and they didn't realize the kind of movie they were making and they didn't realize all the 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 sexual jokes that they were making and stuff like that uh, it's all it's all there if you watch it but having Freddy possess somebody when he's supposed to be in a dreamland it was just it was totally changing the rules that the first film set then you get number three which brought back the the excellent freddy krueger and at this point he's freddy and this is the point of the franchise where it changes where you get the mix of the fred krueger of number one the the scary shadow type character who really he's kind of he shows up more uh, in part three than he does in part one and he's not so much hidden by shadows but his cheese factor he maybe has like two or three jokes the jokes he tells in part three though they're not cheesy they're more sinister than anything you know just kind of like haha you think you're getting out of this but really you're you have no idea but you're you're done you're dead uh, but after part you know part four comes around and that's where they took any jokes that he made in part three and totally turned the turned the notch up to fifty, and that's when the the real cheese factor started for Freddy. I mean, the dude started having his own commercials, and uh, you know he, he had his own TV show, which it was all right. But that's when part three is when they really um, capitalized on Freddy. When you start getting the posters and the the comic books and the cards and the 
masks and the hat and the gloves. You know, that's when Freddy was cool. And then he just got bigger and less scary and less scary and more watered down and more watered down. So I wouldn't say part three is the cause of it. I just say part three is the start of it. Part one is if you want the full-blown evil Freddy Fred or Fred Krueger, you do you do a part one. Now the remake tried to uh, make Freddy scary again. Unfortunately, you know, as talented as the actor is, he's not Robert England. You know, there's just some things you can't remake. Um, I thought the movie was average. Um, there were some parts I really enjoyed, but the Katie Cassidy parts are, are parts I really enjoy because I really enjoy Katie Cassidy and how they remade the Tina scenes were really good. Uh, but when they put a close-up of his face, I'm just like, uh, just not feeling it, you know. Um, I, I liked it, but hands down, the best remake that's come out is Friday the 13th. Um, Halloween, complete trash, horrible, worst one of the worst films I've ever seen in my whole entire life. Uh, Friday the 13th series, I was never a fan of. You know, there was movies that I liked that I didn't like. Uh, otherwise, uh, after I saw the remake, I thought it was excellent. And Friday the 13th, they really knew how to take a classic character, take all the best parts of all the movies, and make them scary again, but make them better. You know, they made Jason like this hunter, this, you know, he ran after you, he was... He thought about how he's going to kill you. He used bow and arrows. You know, he wasn't the stupid idiot. Versus a Nightmare on Elm Street remake, uh, they uh, they just did it wrong. the The look was wrong. They tried to make it more burn, trying to make it more realistic. But I thought how Robert England looked was perfect, and they should have kept it that way. Uh, his voice didn't really go as good as uh, as Robert England pulled it off. So you know. Um, I, probably I'd give the remake like a two and a half, three star is like the highest versus like Friday the 13th remake, like four, four and a half hands down Halloween remake. I mean, I've already said in my previous episodes, uh, Rob Zombie Halloween is probably like one, one star and how an H2 is like a half a star. If no star, a uh, complete horrible train wreck the remakes just completely suck. But, uh, you know, the scary Fred Krueger is a number one. So if you want, if you want to be scared out your mind, watch this one. So overall, um, I thought the ending, the ending, I have a couple issues with. Not that I really have a problem with it, but just that I'm not sure what ending they really wanted to go with. I mean, basically, Wes Craven planned to have a more uh, evocative ending because um, we all know that Nancy kills Krueger. By ceasing to believe in him, then she awakes to discover that everything that happened in the movie was basically like a nightmare. But uh, Robert Shea, he's like, you know, he's like the producer. He demanded that there's a twist ending where he wants Kruger to disappear and have the movie appear that it's been a dream, and then the audience will then discover that they're actually watching a dream within a dream within a dream, because Freddy will reappear. Um, as the car that basically kidnaps Nancy, followed by Fred reaching through the window of the front door and pulls Nancy's mom inside. So, you know, both the happy ending and the twist ending were filmed, but the final, the final ending that they got, um, you know, Wes Craven didn't want to. He never intended on having an ongoing franchise, so I think it just would have been good to have it end. Like, Halloween made sense the way it ended. You know, you got the boogeyman, the 
the devil incarnate, evil doesn't die, makes sense. With Freddy, it's a little different. It kind of, it's like it takes away from it that Nancy, you know, you've been on this journey with Nancy and she finally defeated him. And yet you find out, haha, you know, Freddy's back. It just, it was kind of like a slap in the face, I felt. I've just never been too fond of the ending. You know, I, I kind of was with Wes Craven that it would have been nice just to see Nancy walk out and realize that it was just, you know, just one big dream that she that she finally, that she beat, basically. But instead, we get kind of the, the two endings mashed together. I'm just not a fan of how it ended. So, um, but overall, though, I mean, the way it ended doesn't really kill my thoughts on the film. Usually a movie for me, it's got to end well for my overall feel of the movie. Kind of like, um, what's the Tom Hanks movie, uh, Castaway. I thought it was. I was having so much fun. I really enjoyed the movie, and then I got that ending, and I was pissed, and I hated the movie after the ending. But this movie, I kind of forgave just because on the basis of it that it's kind of like Nancy's still in a nightmare, and it's like she's never gonna wake. I mean, you could really take the ending in different perspectives, which I guess is kind of what they were going for. It's just for me, I wish it would have just ended happy, and then just the series come back. Uh, and, and kind of explain, you know, things than the way it ended. But no big deal. As far as my rating goes, I've always been between three and a half and four. Uh, just because, you know, I definitely would never give the movie anything less than three and a half stars because of how how cutting edge the movie was. I mean, in, in all honesty, the movie reinvented the horror genre at the time because Halloween, you know, was huge. Everybody copied it. Horror died. And then once Nightmare on Elm Street came out, it reinvented the f- horror franchise. And then we got copycat after copycat, went down the drain. Then we got Scream. So, like, Wes Craven twice has reinvented the horror genre. So for that fact alone, the movie gets three and a half stars. I've always enjoyed the film. I've genuinely been scared watching the film. Uh, I really enjoy the characters and the music and the the atmosphere and the, the way the looks are and everything. Um, but the movie itself, uh, you know, I, I definitely go between three and a half and four. When I'm watching it, I'm definitely like, yep, four stars. And then when a couple months go by, you know, if it's been a year or so since I've seen them, when I think of them, I'm like, yeah, three and a half. But I definitely say it's a very strong three and a half week four stars just because I'm on the fence with it. Um, and I don't think it's just because I think it's it's horrible. Like I said, it's one of, uh, one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Uh, number one is definitely classic. It's excellent. Um, but the reason why I wouldn't give it a full four stars is like I really have problem with the booby traps thing. Um, it just seems so obvious. Uh, the the ending kind of hurt it for me. Um, the bed landing kind of hurt it for me. But outside of that, those those three things, you know, only drop it that half star for me. Otherwise, you know, strong three and a half, weak four star. So I highly recommend the film. It's always a good time. Um, and I can't say it's a movie you want your kids to see, but it's one of those movies that your kids are going to see whether you want them to or not. So you just might as well get it out of the way, explain what's going on, give them the right and wrongs, and uh, and just say, hey, my kid's on Nightmare on Elm Street, I got it out of the way. You know, it's just one of those films that sooner or later they're going to see. And... My my view is have them watch it with you, you know, explain it, and, you know, there you go. 
So that's my review of Nightmare on Elm Street, excellent film. If I do review any other Nightmare on Elm Street films, it'll definitely be number three and New Nightmare. Otherwise, um, the next horror movie I plan on doing, um, uh, Silver Bullet and uh, Halloween. Those are the two horror movies that are coming at you. Uh, Halloween won't be until October, of course. Silver Bullet could be could be any time, really. Um, so that's pretty much it, guys. Um, I do actually have a new iTunes review. And, man, you guys are just killing on this iTunes stuff. I am just loving it. So thank you so much, guys. Uh, really, I really appreciate the iTunes reviews. Keep them coming. Um, it's getting my star rating up there. I'm getting more noticed now. It's excellent. So uh, this review comes from Juggernaut. And it says, uh, love it. And it says, you had me at the Heavenly Kid, then you added Smallville. Wow, I love this podcast. Ten out of five stars. With Juggernaut, I can't thank you enough for that review. That was awesome. Made my day. Made me smile. Um, good, good time. So if you guys have uh, you know, have any comments on Nightmare on Elm Street or any other movie I've talked about, uh, go ahead and send them my way to sweep the lake podcast at yahoo.com. Uh, like again, we're on Twitter, uh, STL Podcast. I do post stuff on Twitter that I don't post on a Facebook page. If you're not a fan of the show on Facebook, uh, go on Facebook. Just type in Sweep Delay Podcast, like it, get get all the most updated info. Because I definitely post what movies are coming up, uh, when you can expect them, all that all that fun stuff. So, uh, in regards to the Spotlight song this week, I definitely got to pick Nightmare on My Street. Uh, good old Will Smith. Fresh Prince of Bel Air, uh, you know, DJ Jazzy just DJ DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Uh, I'll tell you, man, when I was a kid, I had no idea who sang the song. It wasn't until I met my wife when I pulled out her Fresh Prince greatest hits and I saw Nightmare on My Street. I said, "Holy crap! Will Smith is the one that sings this song." Man, it's awesome. Now, there's actually two versions of this song. Uh, there's the original from the first. CD that he made called he and he's the DJ. Um, it's kind of uh, it's kind of longer. The intro is different, uh, but some my favorite parts uh, are in the middle of the uh, of the song where uh, where he's basically telling Freddie to get out. That part isn't in there, and the ending is different. Uh, it's it's actually longer in regards to Freddie talking to Fresh Prince, which I like that ending better than the actual single version but the single version is the one that I'm going to play for you that's the one that was on the radio that's the one that most people know uh, that one is super fun times um, and uh, you know what forget it I'm just going to play both of them for you so that way you can listen to both and decide which one you like better so the first one I'm going to play is my favorite which is the single version and then after that I'm going to go ahead and play you the full length uh, longer version and then you can decide which one you like better so that's it, guys, for this week. Um, it is uh, been great um, talking some Nightmare on Elm Street. I've had had a blast. Um, so uh, expect the next movie. Um, you know, I, me and Andrew are going to do some Ferris Bueller's Day Off when we can get together, but probably going to do some uh, my science project. I just watched Brewster's Millions the other day. You know, I always have fun watching that film. So I'm not 100% sure what movie's coming to you. You're probably only going to get one movie review uh, next week. Um, I'm just probably just going to do one, call it a call it a week, and then the following week, hopefully I can get two out to you. But uh, otherwise, guys, it's been fun. Um, enjoy the Spotlight songs. They're really, really good times. And uh, you let me know which version of this song you like the best. So you guys take care. This is Masunas out.
Until I noticed those rips in my sheets And that was proof that there had been a nightmare on my street
<laughs> I wasn't scared of him anyway Until I noticed those rips in my sheets And that was proof that there had been a nightmare on my street